Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by the Word of God as we discover together what our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. If you would like more information about our church, how to know Jesus as your Savior, or teachings from the Bible, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. Let's pray together. Lord, in this passage in Nehemiah, the people are grieving because of their regrets, regrets of the past, the brokenness of life. And I want to pray specifically today, Lord, for people who've come here in this room, which is probably most of us that have regrets, despairing, discouraged because of those. And Lord, we need a word from you. We need you to speak to us. So we ask, Lord, that you would use your word this morning to teach us, but also to inspire us to live today as a new day, today as a fresh start. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm entitled this, this sermon, Time for a Fresh Start. And you're going to see why. And I want you to uh, stand with me while I read the first 12 verses of Nehemiah chapter 8. Would you stand in honor of God's Word? And I want you to notice as I'm reading the passage how there are similarities between the saints there in Nehemiah's time and the saints at Graceway Bible Church, starting in verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. They want to hear the word, and it's the people asking for that. Verse 2, so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard. Who do you think those are? We got men and women and all who understood, who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for this purpose. And beside him stood these 13 guys, six on the one side, seven on the other down to verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, just like we do here at Graceway, lifting up their hands, which we probably need to do more of, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, these next 13 guys, they were in the crowd. They helped the people to understand the law. These are like the grace group leaders. While the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to the people, this day, is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. 
and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Oh, this is so much stuff. I can hardly wait to get into it. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat there? Picture the scene here. This is the seventh month, the first day of the month. This is New Year's Day. This is the Feast of Trumpets. And you might be saying, well, how could it be New Year's Day? Because New Year's Day would be the first day of the first month. But just like in our own culture, we have this celebration or we start moving at after summer into the fall. And when we do, that becomes kind of our new year. That's the civil new year for the people in Nehemiah's time. So they're celebrating the Feast of Trumpets. This is a really special day when the people are coming together. They're thinking about the day that they had in the, in, over this last year, all of the work that they'd done. It took 52 days to build the walls. And then they station the guards and the Levites and the singers we read in the last chapter. We see that people are organizing and moving in and houses are being built. Lots has happened in this last year. And often as we get to a new year, we think about the previous year and what's yet to come. This is where they are. And they come together at this place, this, um, this square outside of the water gate. And uh, they're all together as one person, as one man, it says, unified. And they call on the scriptures to be read on this special day. We want to hear the scriptures, and we want to hear what they have to say to us. And so let's go into this passage a little bit more and see what's taking place and see what God has for us as we leave this passage and leave this square, this special gathering place today. It says that they asked for the word of God to be presented to them. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard. Well, if they're not men and they're not women, they're probably not animals, we're probably talking about the kids, the kids who could understand. I would suggest those are the kids that stay in our worship service. Those who are 11 or in sixth grade, they, they stay in our worship service because they're the ones who can understand. If you're here today and you're a young person, I welcome you here because we want you to be able to understand the Word of God in a way that you can grab and take away from and run with. That's the power of God's Word. All of those who understood it, it's what he's saying here. He says it again. Notice he says on the first day of the seventh month because it's just noting that this is the special Feast of Trumpets day. And they read, he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, probably a four-hour service, four-hour sermon. But it's not really speaking all the time. What he's doing is he's apparently speaking, and then the, the others are having little groups and talking about it. That's what it seems to indicate here. For they took the whole morning to do that in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And notice the attitude of the people in the next verse. It says they were attentive. And in the end of that page there, in, in verse 5, it says, and they stood because they valued God's Word. God's Word is so strategic. It's so important for our lives. There's some people who look at the Bible as a wisdom book. That is, I'm going to look at the Bible and try to gain some ideas about how to be wise, and it is that. It's good to look at the Bible as a wisdom book. But it's much more than that. 
Some people look at the Bible as a morality book, a book about right and wrong. And it surely is that, and it's helpful to learn what is right and wrong, especially in a world where there's all this kind of confusion about what is right and wrong. But it's much more than that. The Bible is designed to be this book where God speaks to us, where we hear about Him, and we get to know Him. We see how big He is, and then we see in perspective how small we are, and we see our place in God's kingdom program and what He wants for us to do. The Bible is written for us to be this, this living thing. If I read the Bible today, and then tomorrow I read the exact same passage, I may get a new truth out of the passage tomorrow than today because the Bible is living and active, it says. Living and active which means it's, it's there uh, continuing to interact with me and we continue to learn new things. And that's why we study the Bible. You don't just read it once and get it. You read it over and over again because every time you read it, you get more. And, and so God is doing some powerful things in our lives. When we open the Word of God, they knew that, and God's going to do something very special in their lives. And I want you to see what happens as they read it. So now we have these people, these... Uh, these 13 guys on the stage, six on one side, seven on the other, they seem to represent the fact that this is authoritative, that the Scriptures are the authoritative Word of God, that we stand in unison as leadership regarding this. And so they read and opened the Bible, and all the people stood up. It's really interesting. Notice the, in verse 6 it says this, And Ezra blessed the Lord. Blessed is our word Baruch. Remember, we sang the song last week. Baruch Hashem. Hamashiach Yeshua, Baruch Hashem Adonai. Bless the name of the Lord. That's bless, Baruch, the Lord. That's Adonai or Yahweh there. The great God. So you can circle blessed and put in your little, uh, on the other side of your uh, booklet, you can write the word bless or Baruch. And then it says the great God. This is the word gadol again. Remember we saw this word when Nehemiah said, I can't go down to you. I am involved in a great work. We talked about that great work that God has allowed us to be a part of, this great work that He has for us. And now we're talking about the great God. And we get to know God and how great He is when the Scriptures are opened up for us. And Nehemiah knows, I mean, Ezra knows that as he opens it up. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Now that's a Hebrew word. When you say that word, it's a Hebrew word, Amen. It's used in the New Testament. Uh, it's Amen in the, in the Greek. Amen, Amen. Jesus uses it a lot. He says, truly, truly, amen, amen, truly, truly, I say to you, it's a word that means I agree, or this is true, or when we say it, it means I, I agree with this, I'm in, count me in, oh, I like this, this is good, that's why we say amen, 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 and they're lifting up their hands and they bow their heads. Notice all of the different postures that they have to worship the Lord and draw attention to that. Then there's these other 13 guys that are mentioned here, and they are the ones that help the people understand what's going on. Don and I had a discussion this week about the um, grace groups for fall. We always have to plan ahead, so we're thinking about the fall. We're wondering, what will those grace groups look like? I mean, they're going to look like they look like last year, but should we add another one? And where should that one be? What location should it be in? And if we're going to facilitate all, as many people as possible. The grace groups are designed to, to talk about the sermon. The sermon may be the one before, but certainly the one coming up. Those grace groups are designed to look into God's Word and to talk about the sense, as it's described here, to talk about the sense uh, of what's meant in the passage. 
maybe we should have a grace group for all those who could understand, the children and parents together. Wouldn't that be interesting? A family grace group where you're discussing the words of the Lord in the midst of that special small group. But that's what they're doing. They read from the book, from the, uh, the law of God, clearly, and they gave dissents so that the people understood the reading. It's very interesting, their response, because when they read the book, they started crying. All the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Why did they weep? They wept because as the word of God was read, and this is reading out of the law, the Old Testament, the first five books of Moses, as those words were written, they come to this conclusion that, man, we've really messed up. Wow. We, I regret, or maybe I, I, our, I regret what our parents did. Because we were then taken into exile and we lost so many years. We, those years were unproductive in our lives. We missed out on so many good things that God could have for us. I think that's what they're feeling. I want you to, to imagine you're at the square and you are listening to the Word of God. And I'm going to read you part of Deuteronomy chapter 30. This may have been a passage that Ezra was reading to them. Listen to this and imagine then how they're feeling when they hear these words, knowing their history, knowing where they've been, because I know that some of you have some history, some history you might not want to talk about. There's regrets that may exist in your life, and I think God is going to speak about that right now in our lives. Listen to this, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Imagine you're there saying, For this commandment I give you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven that you should need to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it for us and proclaim it that we may obey it. And it is not beyond the sea that you should need to ask who will cross the sea to get it for us and proclaim it that we may obey it. But the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. Not so you can just know it in your head. So that you may obey it. See, I have set before you today life and goodness as well as death and disaster. For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, his ordinances, so that you may live and increase and the Lord your God may bless you in the land that you've entered to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not listen, but are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you today that you will surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your descendants may live and that you may love the Lord your God, obey him and hold fast to him, for he is your life and he will prolong your life in the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they're listening to words like those, if not those very words. And it causes them to weep because they realize they've missed out on something. Something very powerful, something that, that they have lost in the course of their life that they don't have now, and now they're regaining that, and they're weeping about the regrets that they have in their lives. Oh, man, does this talk to you? Do you have regrets in your own heart, in your own life? You go, oh, Lord, I messed up. Oh, Lord, I, I, uh, I just feel so bad about this. And so they're weeping about the regrets that they have. 
My brother's name is Mark. He is also a counselor, and he works with people who are addicted to help them, and he helps people with anger management. And he was telling me a couple of weeks ago when I was with him, he said, uh, you know, I see a lot of people when in their 30s, they're coming to me uh, because they really messed up in their teens and they got involved in things they shouldn't have gotten involved in. And they developed patterns that they shouldn't have gotten involved in. And, and so they really uh, lost out on some of the benefits they could have had. And now they know it in their 30s. And now in their 30s, they're coming and they're saying, I want to get my act together. And so they're coming for counseling. Now, some, some get it together earlier than that. In fact, I asked him, well, that's really great that you're helping these people when they're in their 30s to come to a place where they're back to some stable place and moving forward because they've lost about 20 years, or at least maybe not lost them, but they, they've wandered around for these 20 years. And my question to him was, how can we help this next generation, the ones who are now 12 and 13 and 14 and 17 and 18 and 20 and 25, how can we help them not take that path so they have those regrets? How can we help them stay on that road that's going to lead in the right direction? That's what we need. But that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about these people who have regrets and they're feeling so sad, disappointed in their lives. Maybe because they cause the problems themselves, as sometimes we do in our lives. Sometimes it's because other people cause problems in our lives. We live in a broken world. So we grieve. We have regrets about things that have taken place. And these people were weeping as they heard the word of the law. And so Nehemiah says to them, Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy. How can joy be a strength? I think what he's saying is open your hearts up to that place where you're grieving or where you have these regrets and allow God to come into that place of your life with his joy. Now, sometimes when we're talking about joy, we make a distinction between joy and happiness. Happiness comes from the word happenings, which has to do with circumstances, and, and your happiness can go up and down. But joy is something more solid. It's something rooted in, in God and in Christ. I could make you happy today. I could say to you, uh, or I could give you a check for $5,000. I could write you a check for $5,000. How many of you would be happy with that? You could be happy until you get to the bank and try to cash it. <laughs> you might be happy when that, that new dress arrives in the mail that you ordered, and then you try it on, you realize you have to lose 10 more pounds before you can fit into it. Okay, that's the up and down of happiness. We can feel good at one moment and down the next. That's what happiness is. Joy is something very different. I describe joy as this calm, confident delight. Calm, confident delight that we can have that's rooted in something, not just in joy itself. Notice it's the joy of the Lord. Is that the joy of knowing God? The joy of serving God? Uh, the joy of getting to know Him more? The joy of seeing Him work? Yes, I think all of those things. It's this joy of the Lord. It's this calm, confident delight that we walk in because we know Jesus Christ. And he gives us this as a form of strength in our lives. So if you're despairing, if you're discouraged today because of past regrets or problems that you have had, had in the past, this is the time to say, oh, I'm going to live differently today. I'm going to rely on the joy of the Lord. It's going to be my strength. I'm going to take that same slide and just leave it there, but I'm going to change the colors and, and I want to just... Um, Look at a different, some different words that are being said there because I think what Nehemiah is saying is that this day is holy to the Lord your God. What does he mean by that? 
He's saying, don't grieve about the past mistakes and problems that have taken place because this day, today, is a fresh start. This day is holy and set apart for the Lord. This day is the day we're moving forward. Because, not because of something we've done, it's because of something Christ has done for us. I wish there was a pill you could have for self-forgiveness. There is no pill for self-forgiveness, but God has designed something much better. He's designed something that we all need, and that is the salvation uh, that we have through Jesus Christ. The recognition that we are sinners and the forgiveness of our sins. If you look at a psychology textbook and you want to have good self-esteem, it's going to tell you, look at all the good things about yourself. Look at all the good things you've done. And you can do that, and you might feel happy for the moment. But you know that you're a fraud because there are other bad things that are there that nag you. See, when you come to Christianity, it deals with the root stuff. It says, don't just think about the good things you've done. Recognize that you're a sinner. And because you're a sinner, you can't come to God. You may as well give it up in that sense. What you need is a Savior. That's what we call Jesus our Savior. He comes in and saves us from our sin. So that now we have forgiveness in God. Now we can receive that forgiveness of God and we can trust Him to forgive ourselves so that today can be this holy day. Today can be this special day that's moving us forward. Today is the day we can have a fresh start. This is something that so permeates the scriptures that says that God is fresh for us regularly. In fact, Psalm 118.24 says this, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's not be consumed by the brokenness that exists. Yes, we are called to be out there to help those people who are struggling, to help those people and bring joy into their lives. That is our calling. We don't ignore those things. We don't isolate ourselves. We're part of, a, of the world and we're trying to influence it, but we're not going to let it control our emotions. We're going to rejoice in the Lord because today is the day that the Lord has made. In Ecclesiastes 3.22, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You can't move out of God's love. He loves you every day. Even if you have messed up, even if you're ugly, God loves you. Okay, God loves every one of us, no matter what we've done. The steadfast of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. When you get up in the morning, you may feel, oh man, yesterday was a bad day. It's okay. Because God's mercies are new every morning. And we can enjoy them. We can take advantage of them and appreciate them. And we can experience this joy of the Lord, which becomes then the strength for us to live today. Some people say, I'm just so discouraged. I am so uh, despairing. I feel like I've lost hope. And that message that you need to hear is the same one that Nehemiah was saying to the people. Today is the day is holy to the Lord. He says to them, he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength, which allows you then to go forward, not because of your own strength, but because of the joy of the Lord is your strength. That knowing Jesus Christ is the most powerful thing that could ever happen to us. It gives us freedom to move forward and not to look back. Oh, I love that, what Nehemiah is saying to them. And don't miss this last part where he says to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. Because there will be some people who may not have the strength of the Lord yet, and they need you. They need me to come along and say, let me tell you about the joy of the Lord. It can be your strength today, and I want to give you something to help you with that. In this case, they're having a party, and they're, they want to bring the food and, and take it to them. But there's a message behind it that says, I'm bringing you something that's bigger 
than the circumstances around. I'm bringing you something that God wants you to have in your life. This is the joy of the Lord. This is the strength that we have and we enjoy in our lives. And in this last section, this is a summary of the whole passage. This is the whole idea encapsulated in verses 11 and 12. Listen to the summary statement here. He says, so the Levites calmed all the people. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to cry. You don't have to weep. You don't have to be so despairing about your mistakes that you've made in life. It's okay. He calms the people. Be quiet, for this day is holy. It is separate. We're going forward. We're not going back. This day is holy. Do not be grieved. Don't spend your time weeping. And We're all broken people. We just have to admit it. We're broken people. There's bad things that have happened to us. We're struggling in our lives. We've got challenges we're working on in our hearts. All of those things take place in our hearts, in our lives. Yes, they exist there, but we don't want to be grieving over them. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions. Remember, don't forget, it's not just about you. It's giving it to somebody else. If you're at school and you want to help somebody else, share joy with them, the joy of the Lord. People need the joy of the Lord. So send portions and to make great rejoicing because, this is the key part, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. When we come to God's Word, we're looking for the words that He has declared to us. And we take those words and we go out. There's a, a term being used now, gospel-centered preaching. Maybe you've heard of it, gospel-centered preaching. We need to be focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think that is so powerful and very important because we need to know that the gospel is at the center of everything that we do, the good news of Jesus Christ. But I don't think that's enough. I think we need Great Commission preaching. Because Great Commission preaching has that one phrase in it that says, make disciples and teach them what? To do all that I've commanded. To take it and obey. To go and do something with it. And so when we listen to God's Word, it does help us. It does make us feel good or bad or whatever, convict us. It helps us deal with our inner stuff. But it's also something we want to go out and obey. We want to take it out there into the marketplace, take it into the family. We want to take it into the schools, anywhere we're going. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's a very special thing that God has given to us that we want to pass on to other people. It's a beautiful picture of what God has for us. And God's people said, Amen. Would you stand with me and let's pray together before the musicians come. And so, Heavenly Father, coming before you and asking you to forgive us of our sins, we thank you so much for the Savior, Jesus Christ, who allows us to acknowledge our wrongdoing, to acknowledge our regrets, and to feel the forgiveness that you provide for us, not because of our own goodness, but because of Jesus Christ's death on the cross for us. So we are so grateful for that, Father. We thank you for all that you've done for us. And Lord, we want to go out of here with a sense of strength in our hearts because of that joy you provide because we know you. We ask, Lord, that you would inspire us and encourage us today with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.